0: I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Karen Daw. Karen is an award-winning national speaker, author of numerous articles and CE courses on safety and dentistry, and a consultant to practices across the country. She earned her BA from The Ohio State University, her MBA with concentrations in healthcare administration and business management. After graduating, Karen was recruited from the emergency department to her role as Assistant Director of Sterilization Monitoring and Health and Safety Director for the OSU College of Dentistry. Karen draws on her rich background to educate audiences, large and small, on best practices to avoid penalties, negative reviews, and the six o'clock news. It is indeed my pleasure now to bring you to my interview with Ms. Karen Daw. Karen, I am so excited. We know because outside of Zoom, We have talked and talked and talked, and we can share conversation on any number of of topics, and I'm really excited to have you join me on the show today, so thank you so much for being here. Um, Please tell us a little bit about how you got into dentistry, and now that you're known as the OSHA lady, how did all of that transpire?
1: Yes, so I actually, you know, I grew up here in Hawaii. And at the time I had, when I was thinking about college, I always knew I wanted to be an educator in some way, shape, or form. I knew I wanted to make a living educating others. And my nickname, um, coincidentally, growing up from my mom was Little Boss Lady or Big Mouth. In Mandarin Chinese, she would call me that. And so it's funny that I actually make a living speaking and educating. I was able to do all of that. But at the time, I was attending University of Hawaii, and the exit for the University of Hawaii, is one-off from the exit for Waikiki Beach. And it's kind of like my analogy for life. I had one of two choices to make at the time. I could either go down this one pathway and further my education, or I could enjoy myself. And being, you know, 17, 18 years old at the time, I opted for the beach more often than I opted to go to school. I mean, how can you You can see the beach from the campus, you know? I mean, let's talk about torture. I'm surprised they have any graduation rate, to be honest with you. And so, you know, my parents sat me down one day, and they said, you know, we love you so much, Karen. We love you so much. We love you. But if we're going to continue to supplement your education, you were gonna to have to go somewhere else for school. And at the time I thought, well, you know, here I am on an island in the middle of the Pacific. I can circle this island in about two, two, two and a half hours. Then I'm gonna to go to the largest university in the mainland. And at the time it was tossed up between Ohio State and the University of Texas. So the other criteria my parents had for us was that there could be no beaches within several miles. And so I ended up in the middle of Ohio at at the Ohio State University, where I got my BA in communications. Now, right after graduating, I received a job offer in the emergency department at Riverside Methodist Hospital. And it allowed me to be introduced into infection control education and safety education. So while I was going for my, my master's in healthcare administration and business administration, I um, decided, you know what, maybe I'll do a deeper dive on safety and go into OSHA safety as well as infection control as it pertains to healthcare. And I ended up in many classrooms when I was getting my OSHA authorization training. Many times I was the only woman or one of just very few women in the classroom. And that just made me more determined. That you know, a lot of people would be like, wouldn't you be intimidated? Yeah, it was intimidating. I think it was intimidating because I was always taught that, you know, women don't get into fields like that. Right. Okay. So wait, I don't mean to interrupt, but how long ago was this?
0: Oh, this would have been 1991.
1: Okay, so 20-something years ago. Yeah. You know, you, when you think about OSHA, you think about construction industry, and that's what I was getting into. I was looking at construction. I was looking at healthcare. I was looking at everything. And um, yeah, you know, not a lot of women did safety-type training. And so I started off, that's where I kind of started off. And then I was recruited from the emergency department to work at, in sterilization monitoring at the Ohio State University College of Dentistry. And from there, I became the clinic health and safety director, and then I launched my own business. Now, when I launched my own business, my mother was beside herself because here I was, I had a cushy job, I had benefits, I had retirement, and I went out on a limb and said, I wanna do something different with this. And that's when I started the OSHA Lady and Karen Doll Consulting and with a focus on assisting dental and medical offices with this area. So that's kind of the Clipset's version of how I got into this.
0: Oh my gosh, that is fascinating. I'm really excited that you did take the leap. How was it after the fact with your mom? You know, because our moms are so influential in our lives that I think that, you know, either they can join us and sometimes they don't. So how did that
1: go? I think with her, you know, I grew up in a military household and my father after three girls gave up on the fact that he was ever going to have a son. So here we were (laughs) the three of us girls balancing, you know, ballet class with soccer and balancing judo lessons with uh, music lessons. So we we kind of got uh, a nice rounded background in education. We didn't we didn't grow up with much. Um, my father was a sergeant in the air force, and my mother worked in kitchens. But we didn't know that. We had they never let us know that we we were lacking in any way, and I think that kind of contributed to my upbringing of you know what it doesn't matter what society tells you you're supposed to be doing. Now my mom, she was more concerned about, you know, longevity and and the, you know, financial, uh, being financially secure in the long run in my retirement and that's but event but she I think knew very early on or she she never never treated us very differently from very early on that if this is what makes you happy, then this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know, because we know plenty of rich people who are miserable. Right. And we know plenty of poor people were very happy. And if given the two, I, I would rather, you know, we only get one chance. We're spinning on this giant blue ball through the galaxy and we get one shot at this. How are we going to choose to live our life? How are we going to choose to live the time, spend the time that we have on this planet anyways, in this realm? And so I said, you know, I'm going to do something that makes me happy. Now, fortunately it became a success. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to be living in a cardboard box. <laughs> but I really I'm so grateful for my mom's for the upbringing that we got and the support that we got from our mom because it's kind of a cliche to say that our mom is our one of our best influences but in our my case, it was I had a mom that came from Taiwan, he met my father when he was in the service came to the United States in the middle of, you know, Missouri was our first base that's where I was actually born. She left her culture. She left her family. She left everything she knew to come here and start a new life. And, you know, when I think about that, how much strength that takes for anybody to leave behind familiarity, to leave behind comfort, to do- Customs. Yes, customs, traditions. Family, you know, all of that. Absolutely. That's a huge leap of faith. Yeah, to me, that's strength that strength. And that's why I think that, you know, there are people who approach me now and go, I, I want to do what you do, but I'm just a dental hygienist or I'm just a dental assistant. And I'm like, you're not a just in anything. You know, you, you are a human being, right? You are capable of anything. You are capable of anything. And so I, I just kind of think about that, about how much my mom has contributed and, and it starts at a young age. We're taught you know, we're taught so much at, an, at a very young age. And I think that lends to resiliency and it lends to confidence and strength. And even if you didn't have that, you can draw on that from whoever your family is. There are people who don't have a mom and or a dad or siblings and, and they surround themselves with other people who take on the role of their family. But wherever your support comes from, you've got someone to lean on. You know how powerful that is to say that you've got this whole army that's got your back no matter what you decide to do in life, that's powerful
0: to me. It sure is. It sure is. And in fact, I was talking with a guest recently and, you know, one of the things she commented on was her dental tribe. And I loved the way she described that because, you know, we as women love to have that support. And she was describing the tribe that, you know, you know, I call Vanessa Emerson, our connector. And quite honestly, she's the person that is responsible for me connecting with all of you for the most part. And I will be forever grateful because I've met some amazing, amazing women and men in that close cohort of people that are are doing dental speaking. Now, I I don't do it as much as as everyone else does, but I sure do see all of you doing some amazing things on the, the landscape of dentistry especially during this this time. I, I'm amazed by what all of you are doing, really.
1: Totally amazed. We do belong to a very special group. And this is our family. This is our tribe. Absolutely. Yep. So I want to ask you specifically
0: about your dad. You know, knowing that your dad had had three daughters, now my dad had four and two boys. So and it was boy at the top, boy at the bottom, and four in the sandwich in the middle. And it, quite honestly, my poor brothers never had a shot. So, you know, that's just the way it was. But I will say that, you know, in my case, my dad was extremely, extremely adamant that his girls were going to go to college. We didn't have a choice. And the reason being, his mom lost her husband at a very young age. She had four small children. My dad was 14 years old when his dad died. And he then became the breadwinner of the the family. So he lived through that. So how was your dad with you growing up as a, a male figure? Did he inspire you to do what you're doing? Did he help you become braver at what you were doing? Because I, you know, I just want to share some of that story too.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes it's interesting, the dynamic between daughters and mothers and daughters and fathers. And my dad, you know, with his three girls, you could do no wrong. We just, that's how it was. Like his three girls could do no wrong. He was eight of 10 growing up in Brooklyn, before Brooklyn became, you know, real nice and expensive. And they had, my grandparents had a three bedroom house. So as an older kid cycled out, the younger ones came in. So I think that contributed my father's uh, value that education was going to be important. Same with my mother. So I had, I, our upbringing was with two parents where they valued the importance of education and So all three of us, like you said, it it was not an option. We were going to go to college and it didn't matter what, if it was a skilled trade or, you know, I have a sister who's a nurse and another one who works in oral surgery. And I'm the, I'm more of the administrator business person. And my dad, you know, whatever we decided to do, I think even if we, had decided not to complete college, I think he would have supported us. We just could not do any wrong. But I think that relationship you had with, have with your dad is you really, you don't want to disappoint him, especially someone who, you know, he's a, he was always a teddy bear and a pushover, and we always knew that. We always knew that. So we knew we could get away with quite a bit didn't of stuff. I have one of those. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. my gosh, no.
0: You brought <laughs> home an A. How come you're not doing that all the time? And I'm like, really, Dad? <laughs>
1: it's like, yeah, really? Got the a. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he. I think he was just fine as long as we went, as long as we tried and made a valiant effort, I think he was fine with that. And I think that's why the three of us, we just did not want to disappoint our parents. So no matter how difficult things got, I think it goes back to, you know, your the values that you have, no matter how difficult things got. We were, by golly, if we scraped together a college education, we were going to get through college, and and that's what we did. So it's interesting the influences that we get, both male and female in our lives. But going back to the, the female support system, you know, I just saw this posted on Facebook, and it said, be the woman who fixes another woman's crown without telling the rest of the world that it's crooked. And I love love that statement because when i was first starting off in this industry again not a lot of women that were osha specific really osha heavy content and i reached out to a few women who did infection control and osha for dentistry and some of them were very kind and extended a hand very gracious and i can't tell you the number of times i had just been shut down before i even had a chance to ask you know how how did you get into this? Can you tell me what pathway you took? What are the options available? And because of that experience, I said, if anybody, anybody reached out to me and said, I want to do what you do. I'll tell them exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them are going to go through with it and I tell them I'll be your mentor. I'll, I got your back through all of this. And then some of them end up going, you know, it's not really for me, but eventually if there were enough, women or men that were trained in Ocean infection control safety doing what I do that it put me out of business, you know what? I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that.
0: I totally agree with you. One hundred and fifty percent that we, we need to be reaching back and helping to support any woman that wants to do what we do. I mean, it's hard enough being the only female and you can talk better at this and I, I do want to go back to this in the room. It's tough. I mean, I was, you know, growing up in the field of dentistry working in a, an office since I was 14 and there were many times where you were the only female in a class or a conversation with other dentists or even as a hygienist you know that you're totally discounted because you're not the dentist so you know that to me is just unacceptable i think that we absolutely positively need to be a force for change in that regard and absolutely help one another
1: Yes, and that's why I love your idea of having a women uh, mentorship program or support group or network. Um, We could really use that. Every industry really could use something like that. But in dentistry, you know, when I was at Ohio State, we had something very similar. And at the time, when I first started, I thought, oh, you know what, women have all these opportunities. Why do we, you know, really need to have a, an all-women group? And then I really started to see what the numbers were at the time. Now it's improved since then, but naive me, not have you know, not having that dental background and not coming from the dental field, thought, oh, you know, there's an equal chance for everybody. And some of the things that someone faced, you yourself, you were a mom going through this program, sometimes experiences can be very different for women than it is for men. And so I, I love the idea of a network that can support other women. And you're absolutely right. We should be reaching back to push them forward as to the best of our abilities, because, you know, we all benefit. We will all benefit from that. What is the saying? A rising tide lifts all ships. That's right. That's a way to look at it. That's right. That's right. Really good quote to
0: connect with that. So let me go back to your time studying for your OSHA certification and all those men in the room. Did you find that it was difficult? Did you find that they were collegial and helpful? Or So some of the conversation that I've had, and I have not ever had this experience, but some of the women that I have spoken to in recording these podcasts have shared with me that You know, when in dental school, you know, they've had instructors whisper in their ear, of course, not loud enough so anybody else could hear, you know, you're taking the place of a man. And to me, that's like, you know what, if another man was capable of getting into this program, they should have been applying, but I applied, you know, so, you know, let me just ask you if you felt the same way at any time during your training, because I know it's different, but still same thing, you know, male dominated at the time.
1: And hopefully it was a little bit more encouraging than that. Yeah. So, you know, I think they were, I don't know if the click is the right word, but it was very interesting because when there were other women in the group we had lunch together and all the guys had lunch together. And that, that was like one of my, one of, one of my memories too. I never really thought about it before, but yeah, that was kind of, you, you went in and you kind of have already this feeling of self doubt. Like you said, you don't need somebody whispering in your ear. Do you realize you're taking the place of another I mean, because you're already kind of filled with that. Like, do I belong here? Am I, am I supposed to be here? You already have enough of that. So to heck with a guy who's, you know, whispering in your ear that, that, you know, as a reminder, did you know that, um, shame on that professor, first of all, but that's, you know, that is how you can feel sometime. Now, I don't know if that's still the case, you know, now that as we see more women in the industry, but certainly at the time where you had, and they weren't, you know, it wasn't, I was probably the youngest person in the group. Nobody, you know, when I say 91, you know, that's when I started college, actually. So it was actually several years later that I got my OSHA training. But still, to be in your early 20s and in a room full of men who were getting their OSHA authorized training training, program under their belts. And they were all, I would have to say they were all, you know, most of them were middle-aged men. So, and middle-aged women too, when I did come across them. So for me to try to find somebody at that time that, that I could connect with is very difficult. So number one, not as many women, not as many women that were my age too. And it seemed like their experience level and their knowledge level was so much greater than mine that, you know, for many years and actually even to this day, depending on what, whether it's public speaking or going into consult or write an article or go into train, there's still that imposter syndrome that will creep in that voice in the back of your mind that when something goes wrong, that just fills you with dread like, am I in the right place? is it time for me to reconsider my profession? And it only takes one thing is that awful and schmo. Yes. is not awful that we to, to this day, to this day, I've been doing this now for, you know, 20 some odd years to this day that it would still, it would still sit there and it would creep in every now and then. And that's awful. But you know, what brings me satisfaction is that all of my contracted employees. Now the ones that report to me that I actually send out around the country, they're all males. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't that sweet revenge, huh? It, it is. And they're, and they're great guys. They're great guys, but the irony yes. is not lost on me.
0: <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. How fabulous that ending of that story
1: is. Good for you.
0: Congratulations. So tell us a little bit more about what you do, because I want to highlight your business a little bit more. What is it that you as the OSHA lady does. I know you go into practices. I know that you share your experiences with you know universities. You've done central sterilization. You know what else is it that that you provide us for services?
1: Yes. So my signature sale, my primary pipelines or services are, um, is the, the training, the OSHA training helping offices fulfill their OSHA training requirements initially and annually, helping them with their compliance program. And it's either in office or virtually. I have offices all over the country where I can consult with and just like this via Zoom. And we've been doing it pre-COVID, this just really launched it in the stratosphere, and then doing a mock inspection, and then for, uh, I partner with hospital systems too, where I'm auditing all of the physicians groups, and then um, a couple of government contracts too, and a couple of school contracts, where I do the same thing, I help them set up their sterilization area, help them set up their infection control manuals, and their infection control programs, and one of the things that I'm very proud of is, while I was at Ohio State, and this idea was, borrowed from another fabulous woman in the industry, Eve CUNY, who who is at the University mm-hmm. of Pacific in Digone. Yeah. And uh, she she had a program where she brought dental students through the sterilization area, recognizing that most dentists, when they go into private practice, they have no clue what's going on with the instruments behind the scenes. Their hygienist or dental assistant whisks it away, and then next thing you know, before the next patient arrives, they've got a brand new set of instruments that are nice and clean and sterilized. And she started this program where she brought dental students through, and I, she was so kind and gracious to share with me her program, the nuts and bolts of it. We were able to take that and implement that. Ohio State so that our dental students there could rotate through sterilization too. So all of these wonderful ideas that come from other people who are willing and open to partner with you on advancing safety and dentistry. So that I was able to take that and then also do that for private practices.
0: Wow, that's awesome. that's that's really great. What's the single best piece of advice that someone has given you and when was it? Uh,
1: you know. I'm going to I'm gonna go with two things here. The first one is the entire Holstein Manifesto. Have you ever heard of this? No, I love that. Something new. H-O-L-S-T-E-E. The Holstein Manifesto, I bought there. It's a large poster that you can purchase that has everything listed on it. And the very first line, it goes through like a series, I think, of like 18 individual statements. The first one, the first one is do what you love and do it often. So that kind of gives you an idea what the other 17 are going to be like, if that's number one, right out the gate. One of those statements was if you don't like your job quit. Now that is, that is a scary concept for many people. And it might not be a good right fit for everybody. You know, you can't just up and leave You have family. You've got finances, whatever the case may be. But I can honestly say that that, that statement, that piece of advice resonated with me when I was considering leaving one of my jobs. I had worked for, you know, there was a a woman that was brought into the, the organization. And I thought, yes, some strong female leadership is exactly what this business needs. And it turned out to be a very toxic culture under their leadership. And so I'm looking at this poster every day. And it says, if you don't like your job, quit. If you don't like your job, quit. If you don't like your job, quit. So I I tried to broach the subject with them about why I was dissatisfied, why I wasn't happy. And uh, they shut me down every single time. And so I said, you know, and that's, I said, you know what, it's time for me to get another job. And so I did. So something from a poster, it sounds like, Karen, you're crazy for for making a major life decision based on your poster. But the things that have happened to me subsequently as a result of that decision have only been positive and I've never looked back. So I would say that, that whole Holstein manifesto, I love it. I live it. It's very closely in alignment with my values. But the one that I got when I first got into college and I don't, I can't even remember where it came from. I think it came from my best friend's mom at the time. And she said, The love you give to others comes from the overflow of the love you give yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. Is that not amazing to think about that? Yes. I love that. I need to get that engraved somewhere or, or have that printed too. But um, And it's so true. And I think women, especially in our roles as caregivers, we're caring for our parents. We're caring for a spouse. I have an ill spouse that I take care of. We're caring for our children, for you know our, our loved ones. We have all those responsibilities and we run a business and we're building an empire and we're doing, you know, that I think sometimes we forget that it's kind of like the analogy of being on an airplane. If the oxygen mask drops, you've got to put on your own before you can help anybody else. And I think that's kind of the same analogy. You have to love yourself before you can give of yourself to other people. And I think sometimes that message gets lost because we're just pulled in a million different directions. So I love that. I love that quote. Oh my
0: gosh. That's awesome. Great, great, great advice. So thank you for sharing that with us. Amazing, amazing. So where did you find the Holstein Holstein Manifesto? Do you remember? You
1: know, I don't remember how I came across it. I take, you know, I think that I had seen it somewhere once, and then I kind of went like, oh, what a bunch of hooey, you know, new agey, blah, 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 hoo-hoo stuff. And then I think I saw someone else post it on Facebook. And then I think someone quoted one of the lines to me or something similar to one of the lines to me. And I'm big I'm big on signs, take it for, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, Karen, you're crazy, you and your signs. But I took it as a sign because I got three of these impressions within a short amount of time. And I said, you know, let me take a good look at this. And I read through it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I believe everything. I believe everything that's in here. Mm-hmm. And it's a company. I forgot what the company actually does for a living, but, you know, it has a bunch of other stuff on there that I think anybody could find something in there that they, you know, that they like. Well, I'm definitely going to look it up. So thank you for sharing that with the audience. What do you think
0: helped you most to get to where you are today? Is there anything in particular? Can you concentrate on one, one area in particular that helped you to get
1: here like today? Yes. You know, if we're talking about on a personal level. I think it's just my receptiveness to accepting outside help and acknowledging what, you know, that I don't know what I, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And we don't have to know everything. That's the exact 180 of where I was when I first started this business. I thought I had to know it all. I thought I had to have all these systems in place and everything had to be perfect before I launched and was able to offer something. And the, the beauty is in the flaws that I discovered along the way. And then, and what those flaws did, well, I looked at them not really as flaws, but you know, anytime somebody, I think we could be overly critical whenever we mess up and we're our own worst critic, really. Without a doubt. Yeah. And so I think I looked at them more as opportunities and something that I learned along the way, and I forget if I read it from, uh, I love Marie Forleo and Rachel Hollis. I love them. They're great influencers. And, uh, and I think it was Marie Forleo who said, if you mess up, think, be grateful for it. Thank the universe for the opportunity to learn and grow from that instance. And I thought, wow, that totally changed my mindset. So it's okay to be imperfect, because it's there's a lesson here, there's something to be learned or gained from this. And when I switched my business model around that, I realized, wow, I, I can learn from this. And you know, when I find areas that aren't my strengths, there are people out there where this is a strength for them. And I have met beautiful women you are self included mj along this journey of self discovery self awareness with my myself and with my business and my and my personal spiritual and professional relationships along the way i've connected with wonderful people as a result for, of being open and receptive and acknowledging i'm not perfect and i don't have to be and you don't so mm-hmm. it's very
0: interesting you know i you know i don't know did not know anything about podcasts and I still feel like I'm learning every day, but I didn't need to know everything. You know what? I, I think we are so, like you said, critical of ourselves. And so, and especially in dentistry, we're so perfectionistic because that's the field that we're in. You know, everything is, anything off by a millimeter drives us nuts, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, literally drives us nuts. So, you know, we want everything to be perfect, but it doesn't have to be. And that should not hold you back from getting from point A to point B. You know, we, mm-hmm. it's okay to make mistakes. And as you said, thank the universe for helping you to learn something that you don't have to
1: do again, right? And might inspire you for other things. Exactly. Exactly. And be, be forgiving, be, you know, learn to forgive yourself. I used to beat myself up over every little error, right? Yes. And we think about, you know, well, what does so and so think of me if I mess up and that, you know, I've always got to be on and I've always got to be perfect. And I think what I found, I think more so with age than anything else As I've gotten older. I just don't care as, as much, I think. Right. But if I could go back and speak to my younger self, that's the advice I would be giving myself. I would be telling myself, learn to forgive yourself at early on because if you don't, it will eat you up later on because it's just like getting a gut punch over and over and over and over and over again. And you don't learn to be resilient. You don't learn to, be, to roll with the punches when that happens you feel like you have to be stronger and you have to have more barriers and a stronger defense. And that's not necessarily the case. We have to be forgiving and, and acknowledge that, you know, again, we're not perfect. It's not right. It's okay. We will live. And by golly, we will survive this. You know, you know, uh, Dr. Angela Mulroney, she has a, a beautiful story about resiliency. And I, I don't, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's paying attention, but who's listening in, but uh, look up her story. We've already got that one taped
0: too. Oh, you don't know, get okay. so good. She'll be done before yours goes on. So, you know, hopefully everybody will know her and know her story by the time they get to our
1: conversation because she's pretty amazing. Yeah, and if you haven't, please go back and listen to that one. Stop this right now. Go back and listen to that one and then come back to this one because you think you've been low and not to take away from anybody's experience, but, you know, when you can truly when you have a a basis for comparison or you have a yardstick to measure what low really really is what it looks like through the eyes of somebody who's been lower it really puts things into perspective and all of a sudden my problems seem so trivial and again not to take away from it not to diminish that it isn't a problem you know that it's not certainly a problem but then I kind of think about, well, you know what? Can I overcome this? Is there another way I could do this? Can I can I do better? And I love what Katrina says.
0: Yeah. I call it the choice, right? We have the path, right? Left side, right side. We have a choice. We can go down the left or we can go down the right. And the choice is totally up to you. And so how you react to things speaks volume about you as a person. And Sometimes we get there and we have regrets, and that's something that you, you absolutely have to learn. But thank goodness her story ends up amazing. I mean, and it's just an amazing
1: story. Just wow. I mean, just wow. I, I hope everybody gets a chance to see her live when she tells that story because, I mean, not a dry eye in the house, but it's okay but it was okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to punch your pillow. It's okay to scream. It's okay to get frustrated. It's all normal. I, th- I think a lot of times people think we're supposed to behave a certain way or we're supposed to, you know, be formal and polite. And, but you know what? Crying and screaming and, and yelling is fine too. It passes and then you get everything out of your system and then you charge forward. You're stronger because of it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think, what incident, speaking of overcoming challenges, what incident, you know, made the biggest impact on your life to
1: date? Is there an
0: obstacle that you've overcome that you're really proud of?
1: You know what? I probably would say that it was starting my own business, you know, and not everybody has to go out and start their own business to prove that they're a success. If you have your own dental practice, you know, I, I was alluding to something that Katrina had said uh, during one of our conversations, which is, you know, do well until you know better and then do better. And it's kind of the same thing with my business. I'm always learning. So no matter what your business is, if it's in the service of, of others and it makes you happy and, and you're learning and growing as a result of it, then that's the right path. You know, I kind of think of life sometimes as kind of a lazy man's river right? I think like if you just kind of go with the flow, sometimes you'll find, you know, where you end up is where you end up. But if we're constantly raging against everything that's coming at us, how exhausting is that going to be? Eventually, you're going to give up and you're going to end up going down the path that you were supposed to go anyway. So I think that if we need, we we just kind of have to pay more attention. And so I think taking that leap of faith, with my business and, and knowing that it's all going to be okay. What's the likelihood I'm going to end up in a cardboard box if I go this route? Not, you know, not very likely. So whatever that is if it's expanding your business, if it's, you know, I have a friend actually was an opportunity to expand her business and she or her, her dental practice the bank next to her moved and so she and she, her business is booming and she could certainly expand into that space. But she has two little beautiful girls at home and she thought, you know what? I didn't get into this to become super rich. I didn't get into this to grow and grow and have multiple practices. For me, I'm right where I need to be. And I'm fine with the six chairs that I've got and the team that I've got. And it allows me to go home and spend time with my little girls. And so I'm not saying that you have to grow to be successful. I think that's what I'm trying to get at It's whatever success means to you. What is that next benchmark? Maybe the benchmark is just to sustain and that's successful too. Well,
0: you know, being a successful mom and being a successful businesswoman and being an unbelievable wife, they're all tied together. And it's, if you're happy, everything is happy, right? So all of those areas in our life. So if, you know, anyone that's doing exactly the, the, the thing that makes their heart happy, that's when you know you have, you're have you on the right path. That's when you know things start working in your to your benefit on a day-to-day basis. It's when you are pushing and fighting and resisting, that's when all of the things come up that drive you nuts. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's time for you to go. And you have the analogy of the pillars, the different, you know, pillars. So if you think of those pillars, you know, kind of like a three-legged stool, you kick out one of those legs and everything else comes crashing down around you. You have to have that balance. So you're right. If you're happy in all aspects and if you're strong in all aspects, well, then you have a nice, solid foundation on which to, to build and grow from.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I am, oh my God, just loving our conversation because it's going different places than I expected it to go. So when you reflect back. Do you consider yourself a confident woman or did you struggle when you were younger because obviously you and I I've had a little bit of a conversation with you about the confidence issue that I see in young women brilliant dental students you know great skill set with their hands but yet they're lacking the confidence in their own ability and I I really struggle with that and I want to find a way to help support them in their journey to grow and so Just
1: share with me where your confidence came from. I would not say that I was a confident person. Um, You know, in a military family, every three to four years, you're making new friends. Either your family's being shipped to, or stationed someplace new, or your friends that you've grown up with are their families being, you know, uh, moving on to another place. And, and so you had to learn to adapt very quickly. I think that kind of made me more shy and more of an introvert. And that's still kind of, that's still me to this day. I still get an anxiety over certain things. And a lot of people are like, really? Like you're a public speaker? I'm like, yeah, and I have anxiety and I'm actually an introvert. Isn't that kind of weird to to think that? But the confidence comes in. I think when I, when I really kind of play, rewind that tape And then re-record over that negative self-talk and remind myself of why I'm here. And I'm here to help others. My, you know, people go, what, what is your business? You know, is it OSHA's infection control? I said, you know what, really my business is making sure that at the end of the day, people get to go home to their families and their loved ones. That's really what my business is. It's keeping them safe through the work day and the work week so they can go home and do what, you know, what they want to do and that they go to bed at night in their own beds. They're not worried. They're not in a hospital. They're not injured. That's really what I do. So that's I think where the confidence comes in is really thinking what exactly am I giving back, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden, when I think about that, that negative, you know, I got this negative email MJ that from an article that I wrote and someone said, well, you could have, you know, it came from a guy and it was like, you know, you could have done better with this article and you should have done this and you should have said this. And, and I was like beside myself, you know, because I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, was it really that awful? You know? And then I thought about a little bit more and immediately I kid you not, like immediately after I got that email and about an hour later, I should say I sat there for an hour I stewed on this for a whole hour oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should have done that differently. Maybe, I got an email. She was an associate at a dental practice and she said, you know, I just wanted to thank you for all the articles that, you know, I've been reading your stuff for a couple of years now. And I just wanted to thank you because I'm in a situation at this practice where I've been speaking to the owner dentist about all these safety things going on. And I don't feel like I'm being heard. And I read an article that you wrote in RDH magazine called talk or walk, what to do about subpar infection control in the practice. And she goes, and I did everything that you said in there. Now, not, not that I'm a communications expert. Yeah, that was my degree, but I'm not an expert in that. But the fact that I got that email right after getting this really nasty, it was really kind of a nasty one, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm reaching people, even if I don't know it or don't realize it, even if someone's not patting me on the back every single day, I'm, I'm on the right path. And you can't make everyone happy.
0: So don't try You know, this is a miserable person that just wanted to to reach out and strangle somebody today because they were having a bad day. And that could be all it was. They may not even write that email the same way tomorrow. So, you know, I always say, well, give them the benefit of the doubt because maybe they're, you know, especially, you know, during this time where we're still struggling getting our practices back to full strength and, you know, flexibility and adaptability are the two words that I'm using
1: all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very, very true. We can't. And I think that I did that for so long. I really did try to make nice with everybody that I lost my own voice is what happened. I lost a sense of who I was. And then, you know, one of the things that you learn when you are your own boss or you're in a leadership role is that you can't, you've got to figure out who you're going to work with and who you're not going to work with. And you're going to end up alienating some of them, because you cannot make everybody happy. And if God, how exhausting would it be if that's all you did was running around trying to please everybody? Right, absolutely. It would be just drained. (laughs) Without
0: a doubt. So (laughs) tell me who inspires you the most? Who has inspired you? It could be someone personally or someone in dentistry, but who inspires you the
1: most? Yes. so I, I think I mentioned my mom, definitely. I know it sounds like a cliche, but absolutely. Hands down, my mom. To this day, when I think about everything that she's overcome and trying to start a new life and, and be a wife and and a mother, mother to three kids. You know, she had three of us all within about a year, year and a half of each other, and working. She worked two jobs. Like I said, you know, we didn't. I didn't grow up with much, but we did not know that. You know, we were going to these schools and we had these preppy friends, and never did they let us know that we actually were in a totally different income bracket than everybody else we went to school with. So my mom, on a personal level. On a professional level, and I don't know if she even you know, knows us to this day, because we had we had butted heads quite often when I actually worked under her, that it took me many years later to realize what she was trying to teach me. And that's uh, Dr. Joan Iannucci at the Ohio State University College of Dentistry. She took a chance on this very young gal. From the emergency department, and said, "You know what? I think it'd be great for for our department." And then, and everything that she's done to support me along the way, and even to this day, I can email her and ask her for advice, and she'll she'll respond. You know, so on a professional level, and I don't think she even knows that. You know, I tried to put it in an email once or twice, but I don't think she really understood the depth of what I was trying to say. So maybe I need to try one more time. But I think that we can all identify somebody that has been there for us, knowingly or unknowingly, and in her case, unknowingly. I think she was just doing what she normally does. She was just being herself. And uh, and to this day, every now and then, I'll hear her words in the back of my mind when I'm making a decision about, you know, a major decision, because because one of the best advice she gave me when I was, I was working for her I met a guy. There's always a guy involved when you're going to move across the country, right? And leave everything you know. But I met a guy and he was from Philadelphia and I was ready to just uproot everything and go there and be with him. And she said a couple things to me. She said, number one, I would not go anywhere without a ring on your finger. Good advice. (laughs) And she said, number two, you know, you've got a good thing here. You've got a good career going here. Isn't it good to be a big fish in a little pond rather than a little fish in a big pond? And so I thought about those two things. And I thought about where I saw myself five years and 10 years and 20 years from that point, And it all made sense. And so I, I, I'm so grateful for her, even if she doesn't know it.
0: Oh, my gosh. What an amazing story. That's just awesome. And I, I think we way too often don't tell the people that inspire us the most how we feel about them. So any a piece of advice I think the both of us would be, would say, and I write more thank you notes now than I ever have in my life because I am very thankful for where I am in my life and what I get the opportunity to do every day. You know, I get to work with students. I get to work with people I absolutely love. You know, I get to work in a profession I love every day. I, I get to go home to an amazing partner and, So I am very thankful, and I think the more gratitude we show, kind of like your love statement, the more you show that gratitude, the more you get back in return, and I think it's a really good piece of advice that you've shared to make sure you thank those people that have made
1: an impact on you. I like that idea. I have gotten away from thank you notes, and I really need to go back to that, because who doesn't like getting a note? I mean, just somebody, hey, I thought of you today, and I just wanted to thank you for this is, Or just because, hey, I thought of you today. Just wanted to send you a note. Who doesn't like getting a note like that? You could totally turn around somebody's, you know, make somebody's day with a note. Without a doubt. And just cheer them up. And maybe
0: it just is perfect timing. You don't know. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. So I think
1: you're right. Tell us something that people would be surprised to know about you. I like to write and so I was always entering all of these essay contests. When, oh, I didn't know that. Awesome. Yeah. I don't write essays anymore. I tend to write just if there's a, something that interests me. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting topic. I bet other people would find this interesting too. Then I'll explore that. So for example, a couple of years ago, I wrote about um, human trafficking and signs to look for if you're a dental professional because you don't realize just how prevalent it is. And um, so I wrote essays all through school. And I got as a result of winning these essay contests, I got to meet a, a vice president who eventually became president. So it was George Bush um, was the vice president at the time. I got to meet him. I got to meet the. Um, I got to meet two mayors, one U.S. senator, and one governor, all as a result of essay writing so that was the prize they, they gave you the awards the other thing i think people are surprised to learn about me is i've been on quite a few documentaries about a rare illness that my husband has and so it's so funny because one of my co-workers at ohio state said she was traveling and she was in her hotel room and she had netflix on and she said oh my gosh i could swear i heard your voice in the next room and i went in next door and saw on the television it was you talking about this illness so i've been on uh, i was on a show on netflix on the discovery channel on 2020 on the bbc and um, i never forgot what the other one was too but uh, all these different channels where we talked about this rare illness i think i'm going to write an article about about that illness
0: i think that sounds like a great idea i'm sorry to hear that you know that you have this challenge in your life but obviously i can see the passion and the love that you have for your spouse and how much you care about him because you're supporting him 100% it's wonderful to see Thank you, Now, you talked earlier about an aha moment. Can you expand on that a little bit because I find that aha moments are those moments in time when you just know you're exactly where you are, and you know i I don't think you expressed enough about that moment in time. I think that you could do a little bit more with that. Um, was it the one where I realized that I needed to find a new job or yeah, and that one or it was something like you knew you were helping somebody. A woman responded. Oh, it's it was that associate. Oh, the email. Yeah. And, you know, at that moment in time, here you were thinking that you were such a bad writer, but someone did support you and say, you know what, thank you for writing all these articles because you
1: you've helped me. And I find that to be a great inspiration to people. Yeah. That aha moment was, you know... I think we're constantly. I don't. I don't. Know if men do this. Maybe men do it too. I know I do it. But I'm. You know, for the longest time, I was questioning: Am I? Am I smart enough? Am I thin enough? Am I tall enough? Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Am I anything fill in the blank enough? And for the longest time, you know, we talk about loving ourselves before we love others. Well, it's kind of hard to fill that bucket when there's a major hole in it, right? Because you're constantly just trying to to fill it. And when I finally patched that hole of, I don't need to be da-da-da-da-da enough. I am enough. I think that allowed me then to not have those moments as, as often that imposter syndrome moments like, like that, that one just came at a, it was just a crappy day. And then to cap it off, you know, and there was an article that I had had a, quite a few struggles getting people to participate in because they were white loving it. And then to kind of get this email about, you know, this kind of somewhat nasty email about how I could have done this and how I should have done that. And I was just like, well, maybe I just don't need to write articles anymore. Maybe that is just not, cause you know, they're not, you don't get paid to do these articles. It's just something that you do to give back. And so I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not helping anybody with it. And then to get that email where they say she used the words, get this MJ, she used the words life-changing. It was reading that article was life-changing because I had a conversation with that owner dentist. And when, he said that we weren't changing anything, that I was being paranoid that, you know, COVID is just the flu, like the flu. She said, I realized that it was time for me to look at other options and find a place where I felt like I was being, my voice was being heard. She goes, so I made a life-changing decision based on what you had written. And I thought, that's a huge responsibility. Somebody just said I wrote something that was life-changing, oh my gosh. I never would have in a million years thought that, Anything that I would write is life-changing. But you know what? It was interesting, the timing of it all. The timing of it all when I thought I could just spend my, I would free up so much time if I just didn't have to write these articles. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say have to write, but if I didn't write these articles, I could free up so much time. i have so much more time on my hands. And then to hear that someone got something from it, you know, as a writer, that's, you know, that's probably the best reward many times. It's the best reward you can receive. And that made me go, you know what? I'm supposed to be writing articles. I'm supposed to be educating in a couple of different modalities via, you know, live presentations where I speak in front of large audiences, where I do one-on-one via Zoom with practices, and then via the articles. And if somebody, again, can go home feeling better about the care they provided their patients, about Providing that care in a safe environment for their patients and safe for themselves and safe for their colleagues and their co-workers. And they feel and they don't have to give it a second thought when they go home. And they feel good and they're they're safe when they go home. And they're in one piece when they go home and they're not spreading anything when they go home. Then I'm gonna keep doing it. And so that that was I told one of my girlfriends that one right away. I said Cause I, I literally, I shared this email. I was like, am I looking at this wrong? I mean, I know I've had a bad day and maybe I'm just looking at it the wrong way. you know, cause we look at things through so many filters. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. And she goes, no, that was like really, he shouldn't have said that. And then an hour later I'm emailing her, I'm forwarding this email. I'm going, Take a look at this email I just got. What do you think of it? She goes, oh my gosh, she goes, you just got this within an hour of the last one when you're thinking about quitting and then burning everything to the ground. And, and, you know, and I said, yes. But isn't that the way the universe works?
0: I find that that when we need it the most, it comes. You know, I just think that when we need it the most, it's there and we get uplifted again and we say, okay, I can live another day and I can go back to work tomorrow and I can do it all over again because yes, I made a difference. And I think that no matter what it is that we're doing in life, you know, if you're making a difference in somebody else's life and focusing on, on people outside of you instead of me all the time, no. that you get so much more in return than you do when you focus solely on yourself and what you need and what you have to have. I just think that it's, it really is so beneficial, so beneficial. I want to go back to the other thing too that you were talking about. I think people call it the butterfly effect. You know, when you make a small ripple, and then over time, it affects more. So, you know, I have no doubt that what you have shared over the course of your lifetime has impacted many thousands of people, not just one or two, because of just your influence and the ability to provide good content to people. So thank you.
1: Thank you for that. I'd, I'd like to think so. And I, and I that would be probably the one thing I would love to see other people do as well. And if you just move forward every day with kindness and a sense of gratitude, it's you'd be surprised at who whose day you might make or whose life you might impact. So thank you for saying that. That is so kind of you to remind me of that. Sometimes I forget.
0: Well, exactly. And I think we as women just forget that all the time. I think that we're so... And this is what we're good at, right? We're so busy about taking care of other things and other people and our kids and our parents and our our spouses that a lot of times we don't take care of ourselves enough. And, you know, we do allow those imposter syndrome and negativity, you know, I call it mo and schmo. We allow mo and schmo to come in and we don't have any room for mo and schmo anymore. You know what? We don't. And the sooner younger women learn that, and I think they're, they are learning it sooner just because being in the mom of a daughter and, and who is extremely successful in her own right, I look at her and I say, she didn't have that imposter syndrome, but maybe I don't know that either, you know? Maybe I don't know that. And so I think to myself, you know, these younger women are growing up in being out in front of people more and giving more presentations and not feeling nervous about being in front of an audience. And I don't know if that was her skating background or whether it was just her ability to just be. So, whatever it is, I think that hopefully the younger generation gets more of that. But I do know that women in general still suffer from a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome. And we got to, we got to stop that for sure.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you do sound like one proud mama MJ. And this is going to, I, this podcast, I think I am so honored to be included in the, when I saw the speaker line oh my gosh. To, and again, there's that really, am I really in the same caliber of all, you know, and there's that, there's that voice, right? There's that voice. Let it go. But I was like, you know what, MJ is one of, this is, this is, there are, there are people in my life that I'm like, uh, that I know, I know, hands down, that whatever comes out of the mouth is a truth and they're not going to BS you. And you are one of those women, MJ, that I know that whatever you're saying is the truth. So when you said, yeah, absolutely, I want you. And then I'm like, you got it, girlfriend. I'll be there. Thank you. Thank you for making this available. Thank you for that.
0: And, you know, quite honestly, I appreciate that many people find my directness not something they're comfortable with, but you know what? I figure people don't want to question whether or not, you know, you're being honest or not. I just,
1: here it is. You got, what you see is what you what get. You so. see is what you get with MJ. Yes, absolutely. We need more of that. I don't want to guess all the time. That's exhausting. Exactly.
0: So tell me your favorite way to relieve stress. What is it that you do to relieve stress? Because we as women, we have a fair amount of it in our life, but we all deal with things differently. So what's your favorite way?
1: I can say that there are two ways that I deal with stress that, and, and both of those have had a profound effect, especially, you know, a couple of years ago, my sister was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer and uh yeah and she's she's my best friend too we literally when you know when people say they live you know next door to their their siblings like we literally our houses are right next door to each other and we we did we did that intentionally and then you know at the time i wasn't meditating so it was very it was very hard for me to accept the fact that you know that she had gotten this diagnosis, and I didn't really know how to deal with it. And I, my knee jerk reaction was just to be angry, angry with the world, angry with everything around me, and it kind of trickled into other things in my life. And then, you know, a friend of mine, she did yoga, and she says, "You know, Karen, have you thought about meditation?" And I'm like, "What is this meditation, you know?" Whole, I'm not, you know, no, there's nothing. Sitting quiet for 20 minutes is not going to change the fact that my sister has stage two breast cancer, right? And You know, the more I did it, and it does take some time before it has an effect, but that's when I started going, you know what? It is what it is. I will be there for her. That's the best I can do right now because I cannot control everything in my life. I so want to, you know, control everything, and we do that so that it prevents pain, and we have to forget that sometimes pain is okay, and we have to lean into pain and that you know it's natural. And so I started meditating and through her course of chemotherapy and radiation therapy. And she, you know, what's so funny is that she is actually of the two of us, she's like the bigger skeptic, like which is weird because like she's got this fascination with aliens and stuff. But that's so funny. But you know, she is a huge skeptic, she questions everything. I mean everything. The woman should have been an investigative journalist or a researcher or something, but she questions everything, and she was like. Hey, I've noticed some changes in you. And I shared with her that I was meditating. She goes, you know what? I've been thinking about doing that too. And now to this day, she also has adopted meditation. The other thing I think that is helpful is when I get real caught up in the moment, because it's easy for us to get sucked into our our emotion. You know, we get emotional and we get sucked into an an event is just being able to recognize, okay, I've got to diffuse from this situation and and go for a walk. It's easy here in Hawaii, you know, I just go outside, you know, I looked at the weather forecast for the rest of this week, MJ. it is 84 high, 72 low every single day for the next, you know, 10 days. So if I ever need to go out for a walk to de-stress, it's easy for me to do that. Not so easy, you know, in the middle of winter in Ohio, but still just taking that time out, that self-time out. So I think both of those are two life practices that I recommend that everyone do become aware, become, you know, incur situational awareness and self awareness at the same time. And then I think meditation it may not be for everybody, it was right for me and it really got me through a very painful, difficult experience in my life.
0: You know, the scientific evidence out there on meditation and what it does to the brain and the synapses and the neural connections is incredible. So, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I think it's one of the best things we could possibly do for ourselves. So I would encourage anybody that is listening, if you haven't tried meditation, I myself have used meditation as a means of dealing with stress and it first started because I couldn't sleep at night. I mean, it became a real issue. And so, you know, now I, I'm not having any issues with sleeping at nighttime. And I find it's a direct result of my ability to. You know, not consistently as I would like, but as consistently as I possibly can, meditate on a daily basis. And I'm excited to
1: hear you say that because I too have found the same results. Absolutely. Oh, good. And I think so. I'm so glad that you're that you're doing it too. And one thing I'd like to mention for folks that are just thinking about it, if you've tried it or you're about to try it, don't be surprised if the first few times you do it, you cannot find that quiet space. It takes sometimes years to get there, but you will notice that it gets better as you go along. You know, even to this day, there are times when I try to sit down and try to meditate and and just, it's like a laundry list of stuff that my mind just won't settle and quiet down. And I'm like, okay, we'll revisit this again later on in the day. But the more you do it, like you said, there's scientific evidence that shows that it actually has physical changes and it manifests differently in individuals. And so, yeah, so the first few times to do it, you're going to hear that chatter, that monkey mind. They call Monkey mind. I was just going to say they
0: call it the monkey mind because the monkey mind will not shut up. (laughs) But yeah, exactly. And it keeps on going and going. But if you just give it the time and, you know, it's consistency. And I, I find too that, you know, for those that are just starting, the Calm app really works well because you're listening to somebody with a very calm voice and you're going through a different type of meditation every single day. She focuses on a different you know, um, theory or a different word or something to help you stay centered. If you, do, if you begin with that, I think it transitions easily into, you know, from 10 minutes to 15 minutes to 20 minutes. And ideally, 20 minutes a day is really what people are saying to, to really physically change your brain and change your, your life. Headspace would be the other one too that I recommend, Calm and Headspace. Those two are really good apps. I haven't tried um, Headspace, so I'll give that one a try as well. I will.
1: So tell me, is there a motto or mantra that you live by? I think it would be that that phrase that I mentioned earlier about you know loving yourself first and that then- That was great. I don't, I don't think I can top that. That's how fabulous that was. I don't that think I can- That was a great one. It was. I need to get that, you know, I don't have any tattoos, but I think if I were going to get a tattoo, that would have to be the first one. And then the other one's a Latin phrase too that I've heard. And it was where there is no way I will make a way. I'll have to look it up, but I know I, I like that one. And oh, uh, one more. I'll give you guys one more. I heard Oprah actually say this many years ago. And basically what she did was she, it was a take on the physics formula for power and or force force. And she said, strength equals power over time. Ah. Yeah, right, clever. And I thought, that is really interesting. I never thought about it that way. So strength equals power over time. How about that? Oh, my gosh, you're amazing. You've given a lot (laughs) of
0: really good information to the listeners. Tell us if you have a guilty pleasure or a secret
1: dream. Secret dream would be... Oh, gosh, I think it's what everybody uh, wants. They, they want to win the lottery. Mine is, though, in this specific, particular order, so I could spoil my mother rotten. That is number one. I would do everything within my car. Spoil my mother rotten, then to spoil my sister rotten, and then I think I would spoil myself. But guilty pleasure, because I don't smoke, and I, I don't want to drink socially and on occasion anymore. I haven't had much time to do that with coronavirus. Oh, here's, okay, you guys are going to laugh at this. Celebrity gossip. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It's my guilty pleasure. Like I cannot get enough of finding out like what the Kardashians are doing or who's doing this and who's, well, you know, who bought this place and who's breaking up with so and so. So I think that's you know live television. Those like live, you know, like reality television programming and celebrity gossip. Those oh two. my gosh,
0: that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I think that's a great way to end the show because obviously a little bit of guilty pleasure is good for all of us. And if you want to go watch the Kardashians, by all means, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. I don't know what they're doing these days, but you know, how fun. I mean, I think it's just great. I think it's just great. Karen, thanks so much for joining me. I can't tell you how wonderful This interview has been so many great ideas for people to take home with them and so many great ideas to share with the women out there that may be struggling with a few things that we've talked about today. So thank
1: you from the bottom of my heart. I really am appreciative. And thank you. Again, I am so grateful for this opportunity to be included with this wonderful group of women. I wish you all the best of luck with your podcast.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.